0: there and welcome to another edition of the 1% better podcast with your host Robo Donahue. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the podcast that is called 1% better. So, this episode I had planned to do a uh, look back on the shows so far, what I've learned, what I've taken away from them and I was fully prepared to do that, but uh, something interesting else happened. Another podcaster uh, from the US, actually from Canada, sorry, uh, totally different countries, uh, reached out and asked me to do an interview for his show, which is called The Podcaster's Life. Uh, So I was delighted to do that. I did that last weekend. And he's going to be releasing that uh, probably next week or the week after. So I decided to wait for that one to come out. Uh, because I do talk a little bit about podcasting obviously in it uh, it's not that long it's about 20 minutes or so and what I will do once he's released this is put it up on my own uh, site and maybe add some stuff at the, the the starter at the end just to cover off some areas that I maybe didn't talk about didn't get time to talk about in his show Um so then that will become that reflective episode it's not going to be episode 30 which is this one But I'm still definitely going to do it still feel a bit weird about doing it because I don't necessarily want to talk for that long but I think it's important to do from for my own notes and reflecting back and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be worth it from my perspective Um, so hopefully you enjoy it when it does come but that's just a little bit of uh, an update on that plan so this episode is with Grattan Donnelly so I met Grattan during the uh, executive coaching diploma that I did uh, earlier this year Uh, and he certainly was a very interesting character on on the the course. Uh, He actually gave a a half-day session, or a full-day session, and it was very much, again, focusing around being mindful, uh, an area that Grattan works on uh, on an ongoing basis uh, right now. He does a lot of training, facilitation, um, and he works for a Danish company called The Potential Project. So during the show, we talk about his journey, how he um how he got into executive coaching in his background he he did uh he did a lot of traveling for a number of years growing up uh, around australia and he moved back to ireland in the late 90s uh, when he opened up a, a training franchise which was expensive he talks about taking a you know taking a loan for 30 grand to do that and also uh he has had a huge fear of public speaking so getting up a training company and public speaking kind of uh, go hand in hand so he really talks about how he faced those fears how he overcame them and how he continually looked to grow and develop and then found mindfulness and executive coaching uh, about five or six years ago and then we talk about the benefits of mindfulness and uh, I even do a little bit of mindfulness on the show just for, uh, for a minute or so. So I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, As I said, it was one that I was uh, looking forward to getting released. I did it uh, a couple of months back with Grattan. Thank you, Grattan, for your time. If anyone wants to get in touch with Grattan, there's uh, details on the show notes. We talk uh, about that also at the end. He makes a couple of book recommendations, which uh, I highly recommend too. One is very, very influential in in coaching. So I would recommend that when, when you hear it towards the end. And that's pretty much it. I will just leave you with saying and asking if you could continue to uh, like the show uh, on on the social platforms. Uh, tell people about it, share it with your friends, subscribe because then you get the episodes uh, every time they release rather than having to go look for them uh, on iTunes. And what would be really cool is uh, if you left a comment. Uh, there, uh, a like or a st- give it, give it a star or, or five, um, and also if you get in touch and drop me a note on feedback and anything or, or any one you would like me to talk to over the, the coming weeks and months, I have a few episodes lined up with uh, other TED talkers. Um, in the coming weeks which I'm really excited about uh, a lot again over Skype from the from the states so lots of new exciting shows to come with uh, really interesting people that I love uh, talking with and sharing their stories with you also I'll leave there enjoy the show with uh, Grattan Donnelly thank you This episode I am with Grattan Donnelly, so Grattan is an executive coach that I had the pleasure of meeting uh, earlier this year on uh, the Executive Coaching Diploma in the IMI, giving them a plug again. Um, Grattan, welcome. Thank you for taking the time out of this lovely day to talk to me.
1: Well, thanks Rob. I'm delighted to be here. I really appreciate the invitation.
0: Perfect. So Grant, when you presented to us on the course, I I remember one of the things that, one of the good few things that stood out was your ability to remember everybody's name that morning. So maybe that's a a tip we can hold off for later in the show, but it was one thing that I remember about 25 minutes in, one of the guys looking to the next guy saying, how the hell did he remember? How was he doing this? And I think somebody put their hand up at one point and said, please explain. So, that was something that stuck with us and I think and I know I still definitely struggle when I meet five or six new people to to kind of capture those names. So looking forward to that one later.
1: <laughs> okay, I look forward to it too.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. So Gratton, talk to me maybe about uh what you do on a day to day basis right now and and then we can maybe go back and track it how, how you got to there.
1: Okay. So what I do on a day to day basis at the moment is um I have a portfolio career, so I do a number of different things. But the common theme throughout those things are people and mindfulness. So I do corporate-based mindfulness training with an organization called Potential Project. It's a Danish organization, 160 trainers, 25 different countries worldwide. And that's bringing mindfulness into the workplace. I also do coaching so that one-to-one executive coaching Mm -hmm. uh which is something i really enjoy because you you, you're you're in a very intimate setting with people and they're sharing their fears their aspirations their goals uh lots of very uh personal things about themselves and it's a very uh yeah it's it's a fantastic way to work with people because I feel very privileged and then the other aspect is I do training and facilitation so one of the things I would do is on the IMI program as as you say I did that session on developing your coaching presence mm-hmm. I also um do um Dublin Business School I do a 10 week uh, diploma in coaching for performance okay And from week one, uh, we get people, the invitation is for people to uh, practice mindfulness. So Mm. at the final session, week 10, the the final session is a presentation of the learning journey, the experience of the people over that 10-week program. Mm. And very often what people stand up and say at the end of the program is like, at the start of it, they're going, what the hell has mindfulness got to do with coaching? Mm. Um what's what are we doing sitting there with our eyes closed? What the hell is this about? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the program, they go, Wow, yeah. actually, I'm on this uh, program in coaching for performance. But actually, the thing that often resonates most with people is that whole self awareness piece and mindfulness piece.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it kind of touches on almost their self performance, so how they become a better or more developed person as well right
1: so so I'm I'm always fascinated by human behavior because you know human behavior is endlessly fascinating Mm so I'm I'm definitely in the right field and so during that program my invitation to people what I say to them is look you have a 24 7 laboratory available to you Mm -hmm. it's that laboratory is between your ears you can access it whatever hour of the day or night you wish well probably not when you're sleeping Mm. but it's happening anyway it's happening Yeah. Yeah. yeah so 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 you know i say rather than understanding other people's behavior look at your own right and i find that fascinating because you know, as a coach, uh, you know, where we start to reflect on ourselves and, you know, the invitation is to really become familiar with yourself so that then you are able to understand other people more.
0: Yeah.
1: Um And I think the journey that people go on through their self-understanding is far more fascinating than the journey they go on through understanding other people.
0: Mm, absolutely, totally. And I think though, a lot of people are afraid to start that journey, I'd imagine. And maybe not that person in the room is saying, I don't want to close my eyes. It's almost subconsciously they're saying that, even though, or, or consciously, I don't know what part of their brain is telling them that, they're fighting maybe internally if they're just not maybe aware. So I think that's a big thing I would notice with people that, that aren't mm. necessarily open to it. And then once the door slightly opens, they, they can start getting in. yeah was this interest in human potential is kind of tied into that, but was it always a fire burning within you from a early age? When did you start realizing this
1: is something you wanted to, to explore? Um, I, I, I think it happened by accident. I guess in, in some respects I've always been an adventurous person. So so you know, I you know when I graduated from college, uh, I went. College? I I did a BCom. Okay. I hated it. Okay. Uh, you <laughs> know, right. Win, 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 Winston Churchill said, "I love learning, I hate being taught."
0: Yeah, I have that one written down from your lectures as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and,
1: and 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 I hated being taught, so I hate. I didn't particularly care for school. I didn't particularly care for college. Okay. So for me, when I left college, this was okay. Uh, uh, this was my my freedom because mm-hmm. I, I had made a bargain with my parents that okay. when I graduated I could go away and do what I wanted to do. So I went, you know, it was, that was gosh, I'm aging myself here, but 1981, I uh, went away to Australia for a year. Okay. I came back 12 years later. Now it wasn't <laughs> all just in Australia, but right, right, right. Okay, you brilliant. know, so so um,
0: did you know? Did you have a sense of what you wanted to do? Though? Even when you made that agreement with your parents that you do to become, was there a, a, an awareness of what that no. was? No, no, it just wasn't become. No, a... I'm um, no. That's okay. So yeah, you no, know, yeah. absolutely.
1: <laughs> I, like I, it took yeah. me. Put it this way, it took me um, fifty three years of my life to figure out what I wanted to do. Okay. So I'm yeah. fifty seven now. So right. so there you go. That's
0: okay as well. Like <laughs> at least you got there. Um, yeah. So you went to Australia. You must have learned a lot during that. 12-year period, certain things that you remember, recall Yeah
1: Well, Australia was fantastic I just loved the freedom of it I was there for a year and then I thought gosh, you know what would I go home for, what am I going home for Um, I went to New Zealand spent six months in New Zealand actually just coincidentally the Lions tour happened to be there at the time followed the Lions around I guess what I loved was when I was traveling, was just having that freedom and flexibility. So one of my most important values is independence. Yeah. And I just love the sense of, you know, getting up in the morning and going, actually, no, I don't want to do that today. So I'll do something completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a real, real freedom in that. The self-reliance as well, isn't it? Or self-independence? Yeah. So being able to do and not necessarily be answerable to, you know, to a a schedule or to whatever. So there was a great freedom in that. And, you know, so I traveled. I went off backpacking around Southeast Asia, running out of money in Hong Kong. I had a choice. I could probably go to China for a couple of weeks or... And go home, and the thought of going home at the time, I used to have nightmares, actually, this might be interesting, of waking up and and being at home and not being able to leave again. Okay. Um, so, that was probably instructive in some ways. Yeah, it's um, of
0: serving something up there.
1: Maybe. Yeah, and and then, so, the choice was to, to do that or to go to Taiwan. So, initially, I went to Taiwan because I knew you could start teaching English, and then uh you know i thought well i'd study a bit of chinese teach english earn some money go traveling in china and then go home Mm -hmm. so uh went to taiwan for three months was there for six months Went traveling for six months loved the freedom the independence the the you know i'm a curious person by nature Mm -hmm. so i just loved that adventure I love that travel so I traveled all all around China into the remote parts of China Mm. you know I think at one stage I didn't see a foreigner for about three weeks or something and it was just I loved that yeah you know
0: do you think that desire for freedom and passion came out of a structure that was very the opposite growing up or how or was it just in you you think
1: um I think it was probably a bit of both. I think it was in me. Um you know, I I I never felt a a sense of so my father was a solicitor. So the okay. easiest thing for me to do would have been to follow in his, his footsteps, uh, well apart from the fact that I didn't get enough points to go into law, which was fortuitous as well. Yeah, yeah. So I I you know, so so um yeah, so my career choice was was uh, quite slow in terms of progression because I I eliminated law quite early after doing two two week stint in his office. Okay. Um, I thought no, I'm definitely not, not going to be a, yeah, a solicitor. Yeah, yeah. And then I did commerce, and the only thing I knew after doing commerce was that there's no way I want to be a, an accountant. Right. So with
0: oh, all very left lefty stuff going on there, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: so it just wasn't me um so i think that yeah so that independence and curiosity and exploring was something that was there in me right. plus i i you know like i love learning i hate being taught i didn't actually find that out until actually when i started coaching okay it was when i did the coaching program um to train as a coach myself yeah. that I actually figured out, actually, I love learning. Yeah, I love know. learning about people. I love learning about myself. Mm. You know, um, I love learning about lots of, you know, how the mind works, how, how you know, how people behave. Uh, yeah. So I'm endlessly fascinated and curious by that.
0: Mm. But you were, during the 12 years traveling, and maybe we talked about when you came back, but during that 12-year period, the freedom and going around, you were probably learning without really le- realizing you're sitting in learning, right? So
1: yeah, I, I, no, I I learned a lot in an unformalized way or yeah. in an informal Unformal, yeah. way. Yeah, and you know, no, I mean, you know, as they say, travel broadens the mind, and um, yeah, the the it's fascinating because you know the biggest culture shock is coming home. Yeah, you know, like I remember you know having been away in Taiwan for a long time and then coming back I was away you know uh it was five years before I actually came home from at that all. initial yeah okay. at all cool. I and I remember question. I remember going going to London and hearing all these Irish accents in London and being you know almost wanting to go up and talk to people I oh, hear some someone from Cork you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you know hearing that accent because it I hadn't heard it for so long yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, wow, there's an Irish accent. Then, of course, you come back and yeah. there are Irish accents everywhere and then yeah. it's wallpaper. It just blends <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, blends yeah. in. But.
0: Any other, you talked about learning as a value and freedom as a value. During that period, mm-hmm. other values come to the fore that you now, obviously, I'm sure you know your your core values, but at the mm-hmm. time you probably didn't know what they were. Any ones that you can kind of link back to around then that came up?
1: Well, I think I've always, um, I think that the freedom, obviously, and independence is is a core one. But I think people, you know, just the importance of people and and recognizing that um, wherever you go, the experience is always about, who you meet and what what you do when you meet people and the context in which you mm-hmm. meet them and and building relationships building relationships and and you know so so on the one hand there's 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 that independence piece which it's almost like I can do this all by myself and actually the realization actually it's very interdependent because everything that happens is about relationship in many ways you know mm-hmm. um, and I think very often we're Where, you know, the message that we get nowadays is to be self-reliant, to be independent, and actually we need a lot more collaboration and a lot more you know we have this idea that we're self-reliant but actually if you look at it well how how does a banana end up on your yeah, supermarket yeah, yeah you know yeah. i'm self-reliant i go in and buy it but how the hell did it get there in the first place you know yeah, yeah, yeah. how many people you know if you trace it back how many mm. people were involved in actually you know shipping it uh putting it through putting it onto the boat yeah uh, etc yeah. you know yeah, yeah. picking it
0: yeah. yeah, no, no, that, absolutely. We you oh. can have the two together. You know, yeah. obviously they're separate, but they yeah. can both be very important, yeah. right?
1: Interdependent, interdependent. Yeah. yeah.
0: So when you you got the travel bug out of your system after twelve years, is that kind of a long enough time to,
1: to work it through? Um, yeah. Pro- well, I, I so so without going into too many details, yeah. I, I came back to Ireland and then went away again and uh came back again and realized that, you know, if I if I the risk is I could keep doing that for a long time and just yo-yo and who right. knows where I might end up. Okay. So I thought the last time I came back and, and this this might bring us towards where we're yeah where we're going. Yeah. If we're going somewhere. <laughs> we are, um, don't worry. So uh yeah, so nineteen ninety eight I came back and I said, look, I need to start a business of some sort or other yeah. So I bought a training franchise. Okay. At the time,
0: and you've been teaching all the way through your twelve years abroad. Had you kind of developing taught, those skills?
1: I taught. Well, I taught English in Taiwan for a number of years. Right. Okay. Now I never did a teaching qualification. Okay.
0: You you could you could speak it. I so could was, speak it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But you know, actually, some of the better teachers were German because they right. actually had to learn the the grammar, the grammar and all all the structure. But okay. Um. Yeah. So. So, so, um, but but it's interesting because my biggest fear, even though I had been teaching in Taiwan, my biggest fear when I bought a training franchise was public speaking. Mm. So, yeah. it's uh, kind of a big,
0: <laughs> it's a big challenge, I guess, to overcome it, especially if you're going to. But sometimes for forcing yourself into this scenario is the way to, to hit it, isn't well, it? Well,
1: you know, I I I spent thirty thousand pounds on a training franchise, right. Um, and I remember that figure very well because it was a hell of a lot of money at the time yeah, uh, to do something that I probably hated doing. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that's probably says something about me. And you know, I paint myself into a corner. I knew, I knew, actually, I knew. Um, my. Fear of public speaking, uh, I knew where it came from. It came from an experience when I was in school on a debating team mm. and I stood up uh, in front of the audience. Yeah. And as you can imagine, schoolboys are not very yeah. uh, forgiving or tolerant. And I mm. just completely froze. Yeah. And and, and did you
0: not... Because I had a similar experience growing up as well and I okay. absolutely still don't enjoy it and yeah. get better at it, but similar debating froze because i wasn't prepared for it and i didn't know i was actually meant to do it and then when i got up it was Mm. and it sticks with me as well um was it just jumped upon you had you had you seen it coming or
1: um i guess what i wasn't i i I knew i was going to be doing it but what i probably wasn't ready for was the way it happened so i was to be you know i was to be a couple of steps down the line and then someone else had to go to the okay you know facilities and then i was up next and then it was like oh my god and then the audience were noisy and mm. a couple One of second. things just yeah. unsettled me and um i just was standing in front of the audience and, and realized oh my god i i what am i doing yeah well, i don't know what i'm going to say right and yeah it's it's interesting because my my daughter was asking me about embarrassing moments last night and that was a very embarrassing moment vivid
0: like vivid Vivid, yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it it,
1: and that you know i think from a coaching perspective it's given me a lot of insight because that informed my 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 choices and what i did over a number of years like i was sales and marketing manager in a company for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that role would have been to give presentations. And yeah. I spent all my time getting other people to do them.
0: Right. You so know? you were managing to work around it. You weren't actually having to do it. Yeah, but I never
1: confronted it.
0: Okay. But even when you were teaching in Taiwan in front of a class, was that different? Did you see that um, mentally different?
1: Well, I was. I, I taught a lot of kids. Okay. And so then I
0: maybe as nervous or no yeah, and, and uh, didn't come up. Yeah.
1: yeah well I think it was yes there was obviously some some degree of nervousness there yeah, yeah. but um perhaps not in the same way I did also teach adults but I preferred teaching kids okay yeah, so interesting so yeah
0: so you bought the franchise and now yeah. you realize you're gonna to have to fe- face this fear yeah okay this yeah. is going to be a good learning because I think <laughs> fear of public speaking is the top three
1: fears there is, suppose. Yeah, well <laughs> yeah. apparently fear of death. fear of death, yeah. fear of public speaking is next, or maybe fear of public speaking is worse than the fear yeah. of death. It's so up there anyway, yeah. yeah, it's up there. So I can certainly relate to that. And mm-hmm. I certainly you know, Tim Galway in the inner game of uh tennis yeah. talks about the opponent on the other side of the net is nowhere near as daunting as the one inside your own head. Yeah. And, you know, so for years, that opponent Mm -hmm. in my own head dictated a lot of what, how I did stuff. And it wasn't very productive. It wasn't very useful for me. But, you know, in some way, spending that amount of money on a training franchise was, was the kind of like, okay, it was kind of, if I may say this, the fuck-it moment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the catalyst for change, but I think your yeah. definition is better. Than yeah, well, so. catalyst for change, I can go with that <laughs> yeah. too. No, that's good. So how did you go about it then? So what, what were the steps you took to um, overcome it? Or was it just get out there and fucking do it?
1: Well, part of it was get out there and do it, but it was, it was a real struggle and... Um, you know, of course, having spent that amount of money on something that you start to realize, can I do this?
0: yeah
1: what what have I done? Mm. now 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 I have to do it. yeah so all of those things, you know um, uh, yeah, it was so put it this way, I, I, I certainly felt the fear mm. and I did it eventually okay but it took time right and you know I, it, it it's yeah it's interesting when you know like I suppose having practiced mindfulness now for for what seven years uh-huh. to know how the mind is if I had known that then right. it would have been so beneficial to me but at the time it was it was just like uh,
0: like a storm going on. Yeah, so
1: you know, I remember actually one of the first sessions I did was down in in Cork with a company okay. uh, down there, and and um, I remember being uh, staying in in a lovely B and B down there, the bosun, Probably okay. you know it anyway. <laughs> anyway, but uh, it, it's um, I remember being up at four a.m. in the morning you know, being wide awake and yeah. prepping and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. And it's like, what am... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So when you went and did it, though, like, did you see gradual progress in how yeah. you, you just got more and more confident? Yeah,
1: so I guess you... I learned to, to work with the fear that was there. I uh, mm. learned to work with the anxiety. Yeah. Um Yeah, and i think it's you know the more the harder you practice the luckier you get in some ways and um having done it now for years i'm comfortable with it and also i'm comfortable with the anxiety when it arises because i know that's fine yeah you know so as i was saying to you if i if i had i had mindfulness yeah that back then it would have been hugely beneficial because Mm. um You know, for me, uh, how the mind works is absolutely fascinating. So, you know, put it put it this way: you can see I've got a pretty good case study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, in in my in my own mind. Yeah. So,
0: so like, even if you want to, if you want to go straight into that, then do we want to talk about if you were if you had the mindfulness tools hmm. at the start of your training franchise career? What what would have what way would you have approached it differently? Maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not very good at the what if questions. In, in looking back in the past, okay. but, but, but more towards towards if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so I think. Um, I think mindfulness has made a huge difference in how I live my life because, you know, um, research shows we have eighty thousand random thoughts a day. Mm-hmm. So what do we think about? Mm-hmm. You know. Where does the mind wander when it wanders? It doesn't usually wander to, isn't life fantastic? Mm-hmm. Life is brilliant. Uh, everything's hunky-dory. It usually goes to, oh my God, I I didn't do this. Uh, I have, Oh, I forgot to call that person. Yeah. I have this project to do. So we spend a lot of our lives worrying about the future, thinking about the past. Mm-hmm. So,
0: And of these 80,000 thoughts... Uh, this one, I think I you shared or I read about something like I I would imagine ninety nine percent of them are repetitive. Yes, you know. Yeah. Uh, so very few new ones come in. Yeah. And you're worrying about the same fucking thing every time. You know,
1: Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Like, uh, Absolutely. So so um yeah so so I'd share this because you know the Dalai Lama was asked what surprises him most about humanity. He said man because he sacrifices his health to make money, then he spends his money to recuperate his health. He's so busy worrying about the future or thinking about the past that he does not live in the present. He lives as if he's never going to die, then dies never really having lived. Yeah, I like that one, all right. Yeah, and I think if that's the only thing that people actually hear in this podcast, you know... And ask yourself the question, well, how do you really want to live your life? Yeah. You know, because we seem to have this um, idea that, you know, uh, yeah, like, okay, I can just, I can do, I will be happy when... You know, so Mm -hmm. I'll be happy when my daughter does her leaving cert. I'll be happy when she finishes college. I'll be happy when, actually. And you know what? It doesn't work like that. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Because, you know, mindfulness, through mindfulness, you can really learn to just enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. And, you know, it's not just through mindfulness, but... Life is about enjoying the journey because it's not about the destination. We all know where the destination is, mm-hmm. you know, although we mightn't yeah. uh, seem to recognize it or want to recognize it. Yeah, but it's how we enjoy it.
0: Yeah. So I cut you off. I think you were you were telling me about the brain and the eighty thousand thoughts. Yeah. You we were kind of going to address how you would have you know about the, the public speaking or some of the other techniques so sorry for interrupting that. no
1: no no i i like tangents <laughs> yeah, as you might okay. have gathered that's what this shows
0: all about <laughs> tangents as
1: well so. yeah so um yeah i think i think when you know when we're honest with ourselves um we start to recognize how the mind is you know there's a a, a lovely ted talk and i forgive me i can't remember uh, who the person is but the guy starts off the ted talk with my mind is like a bad neighborhood Mm. i don't like to go there alone yeah and it's so true because if we're really honest with ourselves or honest with other people as well what goes on in our minds is quite extraordinary yeah um and we you know And sometimes we we tend to feel, oh, my God, I'm, you know, I always had this idea that I was weird Mm. and different. Mm -hmm. And in many respects, what really pisses me off is that I, you know, why didn't they teach me this in school? Why didn't they tell us about how the mind works when Mm. we're when we're kids?
0: Mm.
1: You know, why are we not trained in? This is what the mind does. Yeah,
0: it's normal to be
1: Absolutely. having crazy
0: thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: normal. Why, you know, why, why aren't we told this? Yeah, you know. So a friend of mine, Willie Horton, has written a book called "Normal Crazy People." Okay. So he says we don't want to be normal because normal people are crazy. Mm. You know, we want to be abnormal, so we want to be mindful and be different. And so I'm, maybe I. I'm, i'll let willie explain that for himself but you know you can get the sense of what i'm talking about so so what i've learned over the years is that your mind can be your best friend or your worst enemy
0: Mm.
1: so i think with mindfulness what you're doing is you're training the mind in a way so that you are recognizing what's coming up and recognizing that whatever crazy thoughts come in they're just thoughts Mm -hmm. so you are not your thoughts your thoughts are not you Mm -hmm. so you know we we train our minds in certain ways so uh it's it's really fascinating
0: how long do you find you know from your experience and from the experience of, of training it? I know you you send a ten week course, and I think mm. you know when we talk to Andrew, you know there's a six week sweet spot, or even John Kabat Singh program is mm. eight weeks. So there's all different mm. times, but if you're preparing for a presentation and you're doing all the preparation, you can, and the, the thoughts keep coming in. I've noticed that you're fine right up until those five minutes or two minutes beforehand that you actually have to get up and do it, and those thoughts then take over. Is there a technique? That uh that can prevent those from taking over last minute.com when you're you know, when they come the strongest <laughs> at you or anything like that?
1: Um, well I think it's for each person to find what works for them because you know, obviously what works for me mightn't work for someone else. But one of the techniques that I often share with with um, uh, people I work with is, you know, so it's, it's So, the, the, the inner voice, the inner critic, the gremlin sits on one of your shoulders, usually. Mm-hmm. So, locating... Where, which shoulder does your gremlin sit on? on my right shoulder. Okay. So, with <laughs> your left hand, Rob, what you do is you gently pat, if you want to okay, try it right now. It, and what you is. do is you say, thank you, not now. Okay. Thank you, not now. Thank
0: you, not now. <laughs> he's, he's not there now, but yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the idea is this is a very gentle practice so there's no point in fighting with the gremlin because mm. the gremlin loves a fight. Mm. You know, and there's only going to be one winner in that situation mm. if you engage in a battle with it. So I think with mindfulness what I've learned is is this attitude of gentleness and, you know, thank you not now is an acknowledgement of the fear that is there.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and by gently acknowledging it and saying thank you not now it allows it to be there but not to run riot Mm -hmm. not to take over because
0: in lots of ways it's there to protect you as well isn't it
1: yeah absolutely Mm so so the the and i think this is the really interesting piece because the intention of the gremlin is is often that self-protection so it's there to make sure you don't Make a fool of yourself, or whatever. Yeah. But if you go back to what happened to me in that debating situation and how that then impacted so much of my life, you kind of go, "Wow, that wasn't hmm. a very efficient protective uh, um, mechanism." Sure. You know.
0: So when you got into the mindfulness seven years ago, roughly, yeah, it was yeah. a turning point for you.
1: Yeah. So so um, if I go back to. To maybe the, yeah, the I did the training, yeah. so so I did you know customer service, sales, marketing training from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and
0: Did you enjoy anything about it? No, <laughs> like I, did. The, I, I did.
1: I I learned to enjoy. It. Okay. I learned okay. you know as I became more skilled at what I did, and as I learned to work with the fear and actually you know it wasn't you know there was always an element of anxiety, but that's part of whatever you do. And it was you know.
0: yours, so you had that freedom, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So you still, yeah. had, you were still to that core value, obeying it almost. And yeah, yeah. So, good thing.
1: so, 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 working with that was was, you know, it just became normal. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, that's what I do. I yeah. go in, I deliver, etc. Right. So you know, it was, yeah, that just became part and parcel of the work I do. So. So then, in I think it was 2005, a client I was doing a lot of work with training at the time, management development training, and uh, said to me, one of the, the managers in there said to me, "Do you coach?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah, sure, sure, I, sure I coach, yeah." So, so um, what I what I didn't realise at the time was that you know I'm a bit of a slow learner. Um, I didn't realize that coaching is very different from training, mm-hmm. so after starting coaching people uh, you know and i I got some books and I started reading them, and then I started coaching people and then I realized actually coaching is very different from training right so then I went away and I did a coaching qualification so okay. so I think yeah so so it started to move part part now. of my theme in life is you know i I do, I do, I put myself in the situation, and then I realize, well, actually, maybe I need to do some training on this. Okay. So I did my coach training in 2006, and you know, the cliche is, you know, it changes your life. Yeah. And I don't know if that's been your experience. Is. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. I openly admit it. It's living the cliche. Living yeah. Constantly, and it's still early days, but it, I openly admit. It. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't do the coaching. Yeah, and it's, it's it is so that's changed my life in, a, in yeah. a way. And you know, it's it's just opened up so many ideas in my own mind. And to, again, to the mindfulness, to be aware, self aware, to not give yourself such a hard time, and, and a lot of the tools and techniques. So yeah, in a nutshell, yes.
1: Yeah. 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 Great. And and I think you know, so for me, then coaching changed my life in some ways, and then. And then, um, you know, that's how I discovered that I really love learning, you know, because mm-hmm. I was fascinated then. Um, because a lot of coaching initially, you're you're focusing a lot on self-awareness and what's going on for you internally. Mm-hmm. So that was really learning to confront some of the fears and to look at it, mm-hmm. you know, because very often when we have things that are uncomfortable, we tend to shy away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So I think uh, that process, that journey of, of coaching and, and learning through coaching has been really fascinating. And then, you know, uh, I think some of the, the real influencers in coaching have been people like Nancy Klein, mm-hmm. you know, um, she's for, for those in your audience, she's written a a number of books time to think uh, more time to think and yeah. they're really about creating a thinking environment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a thinking environment is you know it's so i'll maybe share this little story with yeah. you so so on that dublin business school 10-week program so you're giving people questioning techniques and tools you know the grow model different models to yeah, use yeah. and then on week five we bring in nancy klein mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. say so here here are two questions from nancy klein and you're going to do a 20 minute coaching session with these two questions you cannot use any other questions mm-hmm. and you can repeat the second question i think we did this yeah in, we did in your it yeah. session.
0: I've read the book and i've yeah. done it in sessions yeah it's yeah. amazing too yeah
1: and, and you know, so the first question is, what would you like to think about and what are your thoughts? And the second question is, what more uh, do you think or feel or want to say? Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating what that brings up for people in terms of, okay, if I'm the coach, I only have two questions. Oh, my God. So yeah. what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, but it really allows people to, to um, think for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it is it's it, it the first time I did it as a coachy, I guess it uh it was amazing. But as a coach, it's that. it just comes back to that part of you feel like you're you're a fraud here in that you're you're not doing more than just asking two questions and sitting there and being silent, but you get used to it. You certainly see the value of it. But um, yeah, I can't recommend that, that book and that whole approach enough either it's, it's transformative. yeah yeah and
1: i think you know i'm sure you know just talking about it doesn't do justice to nope. it you know um mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it's not going to come across on the podcast that actually these two questions are so powerful but what's truly powerful is when you start to recognize you know because coaching is about saying that people have the potential to they they know within themselves what the answers are, yeah, and and so Nancy Klein's philosophy is very much around, you know, creating the space where people can think for themselves. So when they can think as themselves, they can think for themselves, mm-hmm. and then they don't need advice, they don't need help, mm-hmm. they don't need uh, reassurance. Mm-hmm. What they what they really value is being able to hear themselves say things out loud in the presence of someone else
0: mm-hmm.
1: so nancy klein talks about that the coach is completely essential and absolutely irrelevant
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think that's the beautiful paradox of mm-hmm. what summarizes very often the role of the coach
0: yeah no i i love it um so you did the coaching yeah and then Mindfulness, which ten, twelve years ago in Ireland, I don't think was uh, certainly not a, as prominent as it is now. You, you know, but where? How did you tap into it? What was the the trigger
1: to say? This, well, for think. me, the trigger for um, for mindfulness was I uh, two thousand and ten. I had burnout, mm-hmm. so so that wasn't a very productive thing for me. I was I I, I was very angry. um, and I internalized a lot of that anger in terms of I was very angry about how, you know, I'm, I, I, I see things from a big picture perspective. And I think the way if we go back to the Dalai Lama quote and how we live our lives, I think the way we live our lives is sometimes quite insane. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's um, so so when I, when I look at my 13 year old daughter now. I look at the future of our planet and what we're doing to to the earth, and I'm thinking, what sort of earth are, are we going to what's the legacy of our generation? Mm-hmm. What are we actually leaving behind, or what are we going to pass on to people? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really for me that that you know that contributed to my anger and frustration and feeling of helplessness and how do, how on earth do you affect? something so so big you know climate change yeah all, all, all sorts of stuff like that so do you think the coaching
0: uh,
1: process that you went through
0: brought you to that awareness more Is that, did it unlock anything there do you think or do you, think you just count it on
1: no i think it certainly unlocked it, it you know it helps you know it helps you see things in different ways and i guess i've always seeing patterns and you know so i see things in from a big picture perspective so so i look at the way we live our lives and the busyness in in how we live our lives and you know if you look at our systems our systems do not really serve us well Mm -hmm. anymore you know look at our educational system look at our religious system look at our health system you know so our systems are creaking they're falling apart Mm -hmm. um so we need you know this is just my philosophy but it's so we need to start seeing things and doing things in very very different ways Mm -hmm. so you know um for me a friend of mine asked me so what what does this mindfulness really do for people you know what does it what you know what what what's the difference it makes Mm -hmm. and i said you know um i said to him well you know mindfulness opens people up Mm -hmm. so when i work with people whether it's in one-to-one coaching or in group sessions like you would have experienced or however um you know part of the invitation with mindfulness is just to experience it and see what it does because it's a very personal thing and Part of my experience is that it really does change people because, you know, Marcel Proust said the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new lands, but in seeing with new eyes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, before we did this podcast, we went out for a walk. It's an absolutely stunning day outside. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we were engrossed in our conversation. And we could just walk out there and come back inside and probably not notice any of that. True,
0: Yeah, we were too engrossed in the conversation. I I didn't, and I know from, you would probably talk about it, but just that awareness of seeing certain
1: birds flying or noises that your triggers, Yeah. 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 So... So you know most of our lives, we live on autopilot, mm-hmm. so we live in our heads, so we're so engrossed in our work, in our conversations, in our whatever it is that we often we're not in the present moment mm-hmm. and actually, you know, when you look outside the window, you know today it's a beautiful sunny day, and wow isn't it isn't it isn't it wonderful to be alive mm mm-hmm and so with mindfulness what it does is it opens you up and then you start to recognize actually life is good mm-hmm. life is difficult life is full of ups and downs you know john cabot's Inn says you can't stop the waves but you can learn to surf mm-hmm. and that's what mindfulness is about mm-hmm. you know there's lots of crap gets thrown at you in life mm-hmm. and with mindfulness you can learn to surf the stuff that gets thrown at you Mm. it doesn't make your life uh completely different or necessarily any different but it it gives you the tools or the the ways to relate to your life in a completely different way Mm.
0: yeah i find doing this show when i do recordings like this Mm. it's completely almost in the moment for, for the mm. period of it and I noticed even from last week one episode I did and I'm noticing it now that you know, you're you're in the moment you're disconnected from everything else in a way mm. it's it, it for me is a, a form almost of mindfulness I know I have to try and keep my head together and ask some questions as well but when we're talking about some good stuff it, you know it's you're connected as well you know so so I enjoy that so mindfulness became something around seven years ago and do you see a gradual continual improvement or is there a is there a plateau that you get to as you practice it how does that work for somebody that's been doing it for that long i've been doing it for a year and a half and i see huge differences just in the non-reactivity or just stuff that would have pissed me off or annoyed me a year ago doesn't annoy me right now, you know, or as much. And that's, and I notice it now as well, so that's great. But things like, you know, for you, experiences, certain things, as you you said, it was, you hit a burnout point, you got into mindfulness, has things been going in the right direction ever since? Yeah,
1: and, and they've been going in the right direction and also the ups and downs, Um mm they're always there um and i guess with what i've learned through mindfulness is that um you know it is what it is mm. you know you we we seem to have this perception in in particularly in western society that we can control everything and actually you know it's a there's a nice phrase relax nothing's under control <laughs> you know so if we start to actually recognize that that's a reality mm-hmm. then we can relate to stuff in a very very different way so to go back to your question about mindfulness i i'm a baby mm-hmm. in in mindfulness terms i'm you know what i what i do know is that it has opened a door for me and i know that put it this way i know what i don't know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's a lot of stuff that i don't know that i don't know right you're scratching the surface of the so, in terms of reaching a plateau well it's kind of like you know you're 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 climbing a mountain and you you get to the top yeah. and then you walk a little bit further and then it's base camp yeah and yeah. then it's base camp and then there's okay you get to the top and then you get mm-hmm. so so I'm just scratching the surface. But in in terms of how I relate to my life and the stresses and other people, it's much easier. And, and you know, in terms of the work I do, I find it so rewarding because, mm. you know, whenever I do a coaching session, I did two coaching sessions this morning. Yeah. Um, and my invitation is to people so... Would you like to do some mindfulness as part of the coaching? And you know, it's always by invitation. And I think only once have I have, as someone said, no. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but most of most of the people I work with really, um, I think there is a thirst for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that's some a perception you have as well. No, absolutely every
0: episode i talk about i ask a question to the guest and i know this is primarily focused on mindfulness but i ask a question do they meditate and do they have some sort of practice of mindfulness so far i think maybe one person one has said no so it's mm. it's definitely getting more and more prevalent uh what it is to to everybody is a little bit different um, next show i'm putting out i mentioned is a lady who's a medium and a psychic Mm-hmm. And I asked her the question, and uh, it'll, it'll have been out by the time we put this out. But her type of mindfulness I, meditation is, is cycling a bike because because she does medit, my, uh, psychic mediums readings. There's an awful lot of stuff, and it's highly energized, and that is kind of in the moment. So hers is a more physical type of mindfulness. But but yeah, it seems to be uh, certainly pervasive which is great, isn't it, compared to what it might have been like 10 years ago, or that kind of taboo or a stigma around it, and it being a bit woo-woo or whatever,
1: you know? Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think um, I think it's really healthy the way our conversation in terms of mental health has changed in Ireland. I still think we have a long way to go, but, yeah. you know, I think you mentioned you had Brezzy in speaking at an event oh, in your yeah. in your organisation, and... I think, you know, it's, it's, it's great that we're now starting to have these conversations about mental health and, you know, it's, it's, I know my daughter's in secondary school and mental health is one of the things that they speak about in, in, in the school now as well. So, so I think the conversation has moved, you know, has certainly gone into that space and, 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 you know. It would be interesting to see how it progresses, but I think it's becoming more open and increasingly healthier mm-hmm. than it used to be because, you know, pe- people never, you know, spoke about their mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. You talk about when you talk about physical health. You know what do people think about? They think about sport and energy and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, so right. when I say the words mental health, what what's the first thought that comes to mind?
0: Well, not to, to me, it wouldn't be. But I know the average person would be a negative connotation and like depression and yeah. you know illnesses like that. So yeah it doesn't have to mental health doesn't have to have a negative connotation. It could have a positive no, well, I totally get it no yeah.
1: absolutely. and I think this is the this is where the conversation is going because looking after your mental health, particularly in the era of technology that we live in yeah. is so so important yeah you know because like um you know. We are starting to realize that the, the way we're living our lives is not healthy. You know, for teenagers who were stuck on screens, who were liking, you know, Facebook pages or whatever it is on social media. I was listening to a pod, uh, to a pod uh, to an interview on, on News Talk Radio yesterday about a lady talking about sleep, and it was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how, you know, teenagers are, you know, under the blankets... Uh, liking on Facebook and you know saying, "Well, I'm this is helping me to go to sleep," but actually, it's totally not because yeah. not only not only is it stimulating, but also the blue light that radiates from the screen is also hmm. uh, interrupts your sleep uh, yeah. efficiency. Yeah. No, so
0: no, you're right. Like it's the, and I think this is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. So yeah, one of the like. I will mention that at the at the start of a couple of podcasts for this month because it is important and a few people I've talked to it, we talk about mental health as well. So yeah. I'm certainly not talking about it because it's the buzzword, because it's but because yeah. of the value of, of talking about it. Um. So meditation and mindfulness. What are your? So we're kind of coming up to nearly to the point where we're in the current moment. Is so over the last few years, is there techniques? or I guess you know how do you do mindfulness that's the the question that people Mm. that are not familiar with it and that whole there's no right or wrong way don't give yourself a hard time if your thoughts are coming in Mm. try to get that message across but is there your your favoured methods
1: well I, I think so so there's the formal practice of mindfulness where you sit down and do mindfulness. So it's a mindfulness meditation and there's lots of different types of meditation. But mindfulness is just being present with whatever's there for you. So mm-hmm. if you're feeling good, being present with that. If you're feeling frustrated or angry, being present with that. If you So whatever's arising, it's about being in the present moment and accepting that um, so so the formal practice of mindfulness that i do is you know i would sit and i would uh do the sitting meditation in the morning you know typically for about 40 minutes okay that's what i do in the morning and then to integrate it into your day i have mindfulness triggers so one of my mindfulness triggers is crows. Whenever I hear a crow going, that for me is a mindfulness trigger. So you might go, how the hell is that mindfulness trigger? I'll give you an example of walking up the road towards the park last week. A text comes in on my phone. I'm going out for a walk, beautiful evening, and I'm now texting, answering that text back. And Mm. I hear, I hear the crow. Right. Yeah. Okay, Grattan. That is the signal. Put the phone away. Right. So that's a trigger that brings me back to the mm. present moment.
0: Yeah.
1: And and when you're in the present moment, when you start to really be in the present moment, you know, you start to realize, wow. Be be fascinated. Life is amazing. Mm. You know. So so I I shared this with you. One one of the ways that I jokingly say that. Um, when i do a coaching intervention and you know i might in in finishing up the coaching uh, process so i might have six sessions with with a client and i'd work with them over a period of you know eight to twelve months mm-hmm. and um how i measured the success of that is that i would have them up kalini hill park And they would be holding a nettle up to the sunlight, looking at that nettle with absolute curiosity and wondering, oh, my God, isn't that amazing? (laughs) Now, that might sound a bit weird. No, yeah, it's interesting, though. But actually, when you think about it, how does a nettle manifest? Hmm. How does it come about? How does an acorn manifest into an oak tree? So if you bring that curiosity and fascination to everything and just be open to, wow, there's so much stuff there that, you know, we don't notice. It's just wallpaper Mm -hmm. because we we go for a walk up the park and we're planning our next thing and, you know, we come back and we have our shopping list done. We have our Mm -hmm. plans for the next week done, but maybe we've missed all the scenery. Yeah.
0: No, it's... It's uh, it's very insightful. I I think um, the crow thing the thing for me is is triggers. You know, yeah. you, you you do get on your email and you're on meetings and The day Although there's a lot going on, you are on autopilot for an a lot of it is to try and find that whether it's that ping of an email coming in at your desk to give yourself that you know, one or two minutes to to take a breather and. To do it, so the crow certainly in Ireland probably is, is a good one as well, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the, the patter of rain on the windows could be a good one as well. You know,
1: yeah. So it's just finding different triggers that bring you back to the present moment. Okay. You know, and so so you know, working with potential project, we have an app, and you can put the app to you know send an alert every hour. Yeah. So it just goes ping. Yeah. And when that goes ping, my routine is to take three deep breaths. Mm-hmm. So when you take three deep breaths, if you want to try it now, Rob, okay. just take three deep breaths.
0: Let me get grounded.
1: So what do you notice?
0: I definitely am much more straight away back into, into my feet, into, into my
1: chair, out of my
0: head a good bit. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what you're actually doing from a scientific perspective is you're activating the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So that's the soothing system. So very often we spend a lot of our lives in the drive or threat system, which is the sympathetic nervous system. So that's like we have the accelerator on. Mm -hmm. So what we do by the simple technique of taking three deep breaths and just coming into the present moment, that's a mindfulness technique which activates the soothing system, which is great if we're in the workplace, you know, if we're busy, you Know at the start of meetings, mm. you know, or in a meeting, or have, in a yeah, meeting, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, so it brings you back to a different place, yeah. or it brings you to a more grounded place,
0: yeah. But even I'm not just saying it, but but I know you kind of when I see, refer it back a little bit, you can feel the tension in, in your shoulders or whatever, just dropping that little yeah. bit, and it does calm kind of cool things down a little bit. So, yeah. so definitely a good even three deep breaths you know 20 seconds of your yeah your of the minute uh to do no that's that's a good one um so i know i said at the start we'd let you know when we got to an hour we're at an hour believe it or not okay gosh oh my god um maybe we'll go for another few minutes anyway what other kind of key takeaways could you provide for somebody that's looking to dip their toe in, in mindfulness or get get uh, exposure to meditation is there anything other tricks or tips that they could uh, try
1: i think it's always good to do a mindfulness program because that gives you the experience so so i'm at the moment i'm i'm just uh, completing my teacher training as a an mbsr mindfulness based stress reduction teacher So this is a program that's been developed by Jon Kabat-Zinn. It's been, you know, it's trained worldwide. And it's an eight-week program Mm -hmm. that gives people a really good experience of what mindfulness is. You know, mindfulness is something you can talk about for days, Mm -hmm. months, weeks, years, whatever. But actually, it's the practice. Yeah. so it's the experience of actually doing it is the important thing it's you know you can read about mindfulness in books you can listen to podcasts but the experience of actually sitting down and doing it so what Mm -hmm. an MBSR program can support people to do is to understand okay this is what I do this is how I do it and then okay now I'm having the tools techniques and Uh, ways to actually experience it because once you start to experience it then you start to appreciate what it is
0: yeah and i think it's like a lot of things what you mentioned back early on about putting the 30 grand into your franchise Mm. when people invest a little bit of the material wealth into a program or into something and my example would be this time last year i bought this laptop and the equipment, because I knew the only way I was going to fucking do this was (laughs) by spending money, and pushing it, and telling people, so it happened, so it it worked, if somebody spends a little bit into an eight week program, they're more likely to keep going, for sure, (laughs) and the the value of it will, you know, it'll get them into the habit then as well, because they're held accountable, and hold themselves accountable maybe more.
1: Yeah, because mindfulness is is about a habit. It's about developing a productive habit. So, you know, I'll, I'll use this phrase because I think it can capture in many ways a lot of what we've been talking about. So mind your thoughts as they become words. Mind your words as they become actions. Mind your actions as they become habits. Mind your habits as they shape your life. So there's a direct link between our thoughts and what, how we live our lives. Yeah. And, and with mindfulness, we're really tuning into noticing that thoughts, those thoughts that, you know, of those 80,000 random thoughts that keep coming up mm-hmm. 99% repeated. Okay, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So you know with mindfulness it's about curiosity so whenever you notice a thought coming up and you've seen it before just rather than go oh god there's that bloody thought again you know part of the invitation to go is isn't that interesting yeah
0: and it's like the other gremlin on the shoulder as well it's kind of just being aware being okay to talk to it acknowledge it yeah very cool there's two things I do want to touch on before we end. One is, if you were to recommend a book that somebody could read, and there's so many, I know, in the world of coaching, God, there's so many, but uh, what would be one recommendation that somebody could uh, could take up? Uh, you've said Time to Think and More Time to Think with Nancy Klein. Maybe another, maybe one more around um, meditation, I am I... I'm,
1: I'm a huge fan of Nancy Klein. I think her book is is really captures so much of it for me. I think when you start to experience coaching, I think you know, and you'll be familiar with this book, but uh, Presence-Based Coaching by Doug Sillsby is a very, very powerful book Mm -hmm. Um, because my experience of coaching is that actually when I'm truly present, which I I can be in coaching sessions, and this is where mindfulness is so foundational in that, then you know, it's quite extraordinary what what people will will do when I'm just there with them. I don't need to do very much. Mm-hmm. But that presence in itself is catalytic. Mm-hmm. You know? Cool. Doug so, so. Doug Silsby, so. yeah.
0: And to tie it back to the very start, mm. the trick on the names. Okay. Are you willing to divulge a little bit of a secret on this? Because <laughs> uh, it is, I think, as I said, it's something that people could uh, could potentially use.
1: Well, it, it's it's, well, and so the the funny bit is, I can go to a party and meet lots of people and not remember anybody's name. Okay. But when I go into an environment like where I met you, I don't know if you recall yeah. what what happened when I went into that environment.
0: So I was a couple of minutes late into the classroom. <laughs> okay. I remember that. That's yeah. why I remember it clearly. <laughs> I uh, do remember that now. <laughs> I'm normally not late for yeah. this, trust me. But uh, so I noticed uh, at the time I noticed we shook hands and you introduced yourself and everybody had sat down. So I might have been a bit distracted by being late. Mm but i think afterwards when you know when you we talked about it you said it was just there was a more of a deliberate slower handshake taking a couple of seconds maybe and you were per- repeating it back internally. Yeah,
1: so, so, so really this is mindfulness in action. So when I meet someone and I really am present to them, I shake their hand, they tell me their name, I repeat their name and I maintain that eye contact. Hmm. You know, as uh someone said to me recently, the psycho stare. <laughs> right. Freaking so well, it didn't but, freak
0: me out at the time, so that was
1: okay. But mind. it's uh you know, rather than it being a psycho stare, but you're you're really just connecting with the person because a lot of the time we do a cursory handshake, we don't really make eye contact yeah. or we make very brief eye contact. So what I'm doing is I'm really tuning into being present with that person repeating their name and then that means it somehow sinks in Mm. you know
0: there's a there must be a psychology or there's a reason though when people shake hands and meet that percentage wise a lot of people just forget there's something going on in that exchange where they they're probably so engaged with just the visual that they're just their auditory kind of blocks down they don't hear it i'm fascinated about why that happens but i don't know there's something going on
1: yeah, maybe that's for someone on another podcast <laughs> Rob, who I, knows but I'll do some research yeah, but, but yeah but, yeah, but
0: in, intentional be in the moment, take yeah, a few seconds and repeat.
1: Yeah, just repeat their name and, and you know, and I will look around the room then and I will be be reminding myself of the names. Because I think people really really appreciate it when you remember the names and it's like well yeah. i guess it's you know the fact that we started and ended this interview with that right. that piece which is in many ways is so simple but in some ways captures the essence of what we've been talking about it's that just being present yeah just being present yeah simple but not easy
0: yeah. <laughs> lovely well book ended thanks so much grattan before i wrap it up i want you to take a few minutes to talk about your career and how people can get in touch with you and you know potentially work with them
1: yeah so so I, the things i'm passionate about are obviously mindfulness and coaching so i work with the potential project uh, so if you go on to potentialproject.com um, you'll find out more about uh, bringing uh, mindfulness into the corporate world. So mindfulness in, in the work that I'm doing with uh, corporate uh, uh, environments is uh, in improving performance, effectiveness, and efficiency. It also contributes to resilience, well-being, uh, mental health as well. Sure. So it has a huge impact in, in terms of the benefits to people. Um so that's part of the, that work I do. And then I do executive coaching, uh which I I really love as well, and that's in a one to one setting. And that I tend to do under my own banner. So um so if you want to find me, look for potentialproject.com uh or Google Gretchen Donnelly and uh Art of Navigation, you'll find me somewhere.
0: Brilliant. Grant has been very insightful uh, learned a lot always when we have conversations I pick up some new stuff myself so from a selfish point of view that's good for me uh, hope you enjoyed talking through your, your journey
1: uh, yeah thank you very much um, so I hope uh, I hope your uh, audience takes something useful from my ramblings
0: no I'm I'm hopeful they will and I hope they get in touch and let me know because part of this is all about making people better, but I also want to know that it actually is having uh, having an impact. So thanks again, Grant. We uh, had a great conversation. Have a, in, I'm going to let you to get outside now and enjoy the sunshine and hopefully hear a few crows as <laughs> yeah, well. So. And be mindful. Exactly. Oh, okay.
1: Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Rob.
0: Hey, folks, you got to the end of another show. Thank you for persisting. I hope you enjoyed it as much as the others. So I'm just going to put a quick shout-out for feedback. You can get in touch with me through the site. You can get in touch through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on the robofthegreen.ie site, and you can take it from there. Also, I'd love if you listen to it on iTunes leave a comment give us a score out of five on the stars that are so much commonplace these days i would really appreciate that if you did it whether it's good or bad i can certainly take that we'll we'll make some improvements as we go and yeah i'll keep it short i hope you enjoyed and i look forward to having you back for some more one percent better podcasts in the future thank you and good luck